Hello and welcome to the University Guide podcast with me, David Hawkins. Today I'm exploring an obscure element of UK university applications. Most people, at least here in the UK, think that you have to apply to a UK university through UCAS. However, UK universities also accept applications through other means, most commonly through the US Common Application. And there are also options whereby you can apply directly to a UK university. Now, sometimes these complications for international students can cause them difficulties, particularly if they are applying to some UK universities through the Common Application and some through UCAS. My friend Paul Chulon, Director of Admissions and Registry at King's College London, thought this was a topic that I should explore on the podcast. So I started off by giving him a ring to discuss this in greater detail. Okay, Paul, so thank you once again for joining me on the, on the podcast. Um, let's delve straight in. What are the different types of an application that a student therefore can make? So I think there are a range of different university applications that students at international schools might be considering. So I think it's worth us just running through the major types. Yep. The first one would uh, be an international foundation year. This course is often just one year in length and is primarily designed for two groups of students. The first group is students who are completing perhaps one less year of their national curriculum. So this might be apparent in countries like Russia, Vietnam, and some of the Middle Eastern countries as well. And the students are doing one year at the university uh, to top up their level of knowledge for that that's broadly equivalent to A-level. It's important that we don't confuse this international foundation year with that that's an art foundation, which a student might be doing to expand their knowledge and skills in the area of art before going on to an art program at university. There are two different styles of application for a foundation program. First of all, you have the standalone. So this will be one year in length and the student applies for that program. These might be with a private provider or they might be with a university itself. But the student's applying just for that single year. The other example is what we call a one plus three. This is where students applying for the one year for international foundation program and the three year degree program through a single application. And these examples are most commonly done through UCAS. So the student would apply for the foundation and the undergraduate program in one go. There are progression requirements that the student needs to be doing well on the foundation to progress onto the undergraduate degree but one application does all of it. Okay. So, so we've said that the International Foundation Programme is done normally, when it's on its own, is done normally off of UCAS and as a standalone application to the provider. So then let's think about applications that can come through UCAS. So a student has a maximum normally of five choices, and this can be a mixture of the one plus three programme and the traditional three or four year undergraduate program. And on UCAS, they can only apply to five programs in total. Okay. Shall we move on to, um, shall we move on to then, so what can, can you apply for other degree programs 
on top of the five through UCAS. Yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, as you and I know, this is the question that causes the most confusion for, for yeah. international students and counsellors is then where does the limit apply and how do non-UCAS and UCAS applications interact with each other? Yeah, yeah. So you want to ask me that question? Okay, so, Paul, how do applications on UCAS and applications off UCAS interact with each other? So students can apply for their five choices through UCAS, of which all of them can be undergraduate programmes or they can be a mixture of those and the one plus three model. Now, there are methods where a student can apply to additional u universities on top of those. Some universities are private providers, uh, such as the AA Architectural School, where the student will apply directly to that university, and that can be made on top of the five UK UCAS choices. The university might accept applications through the Common App, and Common App allows students to apply to a number of universities in the United Kingdom. But these can be done outside and on top of UCAS. But the real challenge comes when the student is choosing the firm and insurance choice that they want to attend. Technically, UK universities that are a member of UCAS are meant to, where an application has been made directly or common at, complete a process called RPA. This is the recognition of prior achievement. So towards the end of the cycle, when the student knows that they want to come to that university, the university should be completing this process with UCAS. The challenge comes if the student has already applied to five other different universities at that stage in that cycle, the RPA process won't be possible and therefore the student won't be able to go through and be attached to a UCAS application. So the system does rely on the university, each of the universities completing that process. Otherwise, it is true that perhaps the university may not be aware that the student has already made five UCAS choices. Right. So I guess the question here is, if a student is going to apply through UCAS and to Common App or Direct, how might they make do this in an appropriate way? Yep. I think the answer is that they really need to be very careful indeed in using Direct methods or um, uh, Common App if those applications are likely to become either their firm or insurance choices. Okay. If they're a backup, it might be worth considering, but if not, then I would really make sure that the most likely firm and insurance choice are securely on the five UCAS choices. Because the risk is, as I've said, that if the university completes an RPA process and a check that's done, UCAS will come back and say this student has already used their five other choices uh, at other universities and then it may mean that the student is a unable to enrol with the choice that they've made through a direct application. Okay. Of course, if the universities aren't completing these checks, then the challenge is that it may well go through unnoticed. Now, King's College London has experience of the situation, as for many years they were accepting applications through the US Common Application, something that they've stopped doing more recently. However, the University of Buckingham, an independent university in the UK, 
has much greater experience of accepting direct applications and I decided to have a, a conversation with them to understand how the process works from their perspective. Okay, so to explore this issue slightly further, I'm delighted that I've got James Seymour from the University of Buckingham to talk with me now. James, thank you so much for your time. It's a pleasure. So it's good, it's good to talk to you, David. Fantastic. So, James, if you could just give the listeners a little overview of how the University of Buckingham is actually quite a distinct institution in, in the UK context, and hopefully then that will explain why your perspective on this, this issue could be very useful. So Buckingham is a, a university based in the UK, uh, about uh, 45, 50 miles away from London, um, and we have we specialise in two-year honours degrees, as well as a four-and-a-half, five-year medical school degree, MBA, MBCHB medical school degree as well. We also have a, a, a January as well as a September intake, so we take our students twice a year, at the beginning of the year, and then traditionally, along with other universities, in September. We're also fully independent, so we don't draw down government direct to UK government funding, unlike most UK universities. Um, and also, uh, we were founded in around about 1976, so about 42 years ago, the university was founded. There's probably only two UK universities that are independent that have a royal charter, and Buckingham is one of them. Great. And so that, that independent status, combined with the sort of different intakes that you've got, you know, two entry points a year means that in, in a lot of circumstances you are actually wanting some students to do a direct application and not a UCAS application. Is that correct? That's correct. I mean, we accept applications direct as well as via UCAS. And we don't place any preference on applicants who apply via both uh, means. Obviously, students shouldn't, shouldn't apply to us twice, you know, yeah. through UCAS and direct. They should make a choice as to, as to which intake and which route they want to apply via. Um, the benefit of UCAS, of course, is that um, it's a level playing field and you get there are clear deadlines and clear you know, timelines of the application process. So advisors around the world and, and indeed in the UK know how the UCAS system works yeah. and know that you get five choices and so on and so on. The, the way that we accept direct applicants is that because of our January intake, for example, it doesn't really fit with the UCAS structure of timelines and also five choices to, uh, to to use UCAS for our January intake. So, for example, if a student wants to come to medicine, which starts only in January at Buckingham, they have to apply via UCAS and defer their entry, and that's quite confusing. Whereas if they apply direct, we can, you know, kind of immediately um, receive their application, invite them to a selection event on campus using multiple uh, multiple mini interviews and so on. So it's more of a kind of a straightforward process in the context of the January intake and also the January intake of our medical school as well. We also, for example, don't require students to adhere to the October 15th deadline for medicine because, because our students start in January and not in September. Yep. So that's one example. Also, because, because we charge slightly different fees to most other UK universities, um, because of our two-year degree structure. That means that students can apply to us direct as maybe an, an additional choice on top of their six, so their five existing UCAS choices, yeah. because sometimes Buckingham's structure of two-year degrees and fee structures that's slightly different to most of the universities means that that needs much greater explanation than, than other universities because um, of the way we're structured. So that's partly why we you know, welcome direct as well as UCAS applications. Now, in recent years, our growth in numbers, so 
particularly uh, UK and indeed overseas students, more of them have come to study at Buckingham in the last three or four years. Um, our growth has actually been via UCAS, where you know, students are able to select Buckingham as one of their five choices, um, partly because there's the whole UCAS process, if you like, is globally um, aware, and therefore um, by registering ourselves with UCAS, as we have done for 20, 30, 40 years, um, students are able to clearly select us as one of their five choices. The important thing from my perspective as an advisor is that if a student prefers to apply direct, because they can get a, a decision more quickly, there's no specific deadline, um, they can also add as an, as, add as, as an extra choice, if you like, um, then they're welcome to do that. Great. I mean, so one of the issues which always comes up, and, and I, I think a key message for advisors and students listening to is this depends on you know the context of, of the application, is that there is sort of the, the language out there that if you apply to more than five, then potentially you come up with issues of if you are accepting that, that sixth or seventh application as to if the university then potentially has to report that back to UCAS through the RPA process, there might be a glitch in the system. Um, from what you're saying, that's not an issue that a student applying directly to Buckingham would face. That's not an issue for us, no, at the moment. Um, and we're not expecting that to change. Um, we've always accepted direct applications as well as those to UCAS, but we also pay UCAS the same uh, what's called capitation fee as any other university, and we pay to register our courses with UCAS as any other university does as well. Um, in reality, it's really important for, from an advisor perspective that if a student is holding an additional choice alongside their five UCAS choices, if they choose to take up that, that additional choice rather than one of their five UCAS choices, they need to let their UCAS choices know. It's really important because it'd be a real shame if, if a particular university was holding a UCAS choice as on, on its course uh, allocation and it turned out the student had no intention of going there. So I think you know, that's really important. Yeah. So I guess the um, advice then me, to go back to the counsellors is if you have a student who's considering this pathway, make sure you contact the universities that are going to be the non-UCAS application and get the guidance directly from them. That's correct. Yeah, indeed. Indeed. And I think, you know, keep uh, an open line of communication with between the student uh, and the universities they're considering, including if they've got a firm acceptance with UCAS and they've also confirmed a place with a direct option. The same would go, by the way, if, a, if your students are holding a, a firm place with an American or a Hong Kong or a, a Singaporean or a Canadian university, as well as having a firm choice with UCAS. It's, it's courtesy and professional to ensure that your students are keeping the different universities informed about what their intentions are. Because genuinely, there, there may be some courses that have capped places for international students, for example, medicine, medicine at many universities, or indeed, you know, there are um, accommodation guarantees that the student has adhered to that uh, if they're not intending to turn up, then that accommodation place could be offered to somebody else. Right. Fantastic. And just, James, is there anything else that you think for a student who's, who's considering making applications on UCAS and off UCAS that, that they should be aware of? I mean, there's loads of advice out there, of course. And, and I think um, my advice around UCAS has always been to spread spread risk across those five choices so don't just apply to five universities with, with identically high entry requirements that are part of the Russell Group or part of a particular brand of universities that you and your advisors are keen on 
I think it's important to have at least one of those five that should be slightly different in the way it's structured maybe or indeed the entry requirements. So you've got a chance of getting those five or four offers that you hope for um, if you're applying to the UK. Um, we obviously welcome direct applications too. And I, I just think it's important to keep dialogue open between um, yourselves, UCAS choices, and also any direct application you're making. There's no harm in being honest with this. Absolutely no harm at all. I think the UK system is very open, be it UCAS or direct. And genuinely, that's the narrative that admissions directors like myself and my colleagues across the sector would always argue. Great. Brilliant. Fantastic. Well, thanks so much for the guidance, James. Pleasure and best of luck to you all. Having now heard from two universities, there really was only one more place where I could go to really bring everything in this issue all together. So I decided to have a conversation with my contact who works for UCAS themselves. So to delve into the intricacies of this process and the impact it can have on the wider process of applying to UK universities, I'm joined now by James Durant, who is Senior PR and Corporate Communications Manager with UCAS. James, thank you so much for your time today. Thanks, David. Great. So we're trying to just look at this idea of students who might be considering applying to a UK university and are tempted to use other application systems that bypass UCAS. And what I've heard from, from colleagues at universities already is that there is a thing called the Record of Prior Acceptance, the RPA. From UCAS's point of view, why is that a situation that might prove complicated for a student if they choose not to go through UCAS when applying? So the main route of applying to UK universities is through UCAS and the UCAS uh, system allows you to choose up to five different universities and colleges and apply to them at the same time through a managed process. More applications can be added later on through extra and clearing uh, if needed. The, the record of prior acceptance route itself is mainly run between universities and UCAS uh, where a student is just interested in applying to one university. Uh, the student might apply directly to them and then the university would uh, tell UCAS about that student. Um, in the main though, uh, applications should be coming through the main route because it gives you that choice of up to five different pro uh, programs uh, through that managed system uh, which, which has worked well over many years. Yeah, and one of the glitches I think in the system is this idea of a duplicate record. Um, so if a student's obviously yeah, applied through UCAS and then decides maybe out of sort of naivety to also apply using a, the common app or another system. How is that duplicate record going to cause them some complications? So in the UCAS system, you can only have one active student record per year. Uh, within that record, there can be applications for multiple universities, multiple choices, as, as I've talked about. Um, anytime an RPA is processed between a university and UCAS, it creates that additional record for the student. Now that will be picked up by our systems and uh, investigated, um, and that's where some of the complications come in. So the RPA is primarily designed for um, students already in the UK, and typically it's used by local mature students who might only decide right before the beginning of term, maybe one or two weeks before the course actually starts, that they want to go to university. Uh, if you're applying throughout the main application cycle, um, all the way up to and including clearing, you should be using the main UCAS application system because of the choice and variety it gives you and its ease of accessibility. 
Great. So I guess what's happening then is, though, even though a student might be making, say, a direct application to Buckingham or a common application to St Andrews, the student isn't engaging with UCAS, but that actually doesn't mean that they're not having any record with UCAS. The university is still putting their, their data through the UCAS system. At any point when a student is accepted, their data um, will come to UCAS. Uh, and at any point when it comes through to UCAS, if it creates that duplicate, that's where the confusion can come. So that's why we say if you apply through the main route, you get all of the choices, all of the benefits for that, um, including through clearing. Because even if you apply very late in the year and you go direct to clearing, you make your clearing application, if you decide to change your mind then, that's okay because you could have a conversation with the university um, and they can uh, release you from that place and you can go and have a look at somewhere else in clearing. All coming through the UCAS process, all um, supported by the help and advice on our website, uh, the contact centre team and the schools team who are able to help advisors as well. Applying directly uh, to the university, you don't get that help and support from UCAS and we aren't able to guide you through that process. Sounds great. And, and just to kind of emphasise it, when you say about the confusion of his duplicate record, actually that could end up with if a student is wanting to take a, an offer that they've got not through UCAS and they've already in the system with that duplicate record, they could actually lose that place. That is, that is a possibility, yes, which of course we don't want to happen. Um, so by going through UCAS, you have that managed process, um, that duplicate record, um, could possibly lead to a place, um, a student losing their place, which, which we wouldn't want. Anytime you go through UCAS, anytime your place is confirmed, then it's there for you. If you do change your mind later on, then we can uh, change that if, if the universities agree to it. And again, we'll manage the student through that process and provide that direct help and support to their advisors. It's worth remembering uh, that international applications uh, have gone up over the last couple of years or so, both from within the EU and outside of the EU. And uh, the overall satisfaction with UCAS services is very high at the moment. Uh, advisor satisfaction, 95% of advisors are really happy with the service they get from UCAS and a similar number, 92% from students. So that support, that guidance that people are getting by following the main UCAS process getting their place confirmed um, is evident there. Great, fantastic. Thank you so much, James. So there's a lot of complication in the discussions I've had with James Seymour, James Durant and Paul Tulon. And I think fundamentally students need to be aware of that that five application limit is one that should be adhered to unless there are particular circumstances which they've cleared with the university they're applying to. More broadly, the thought does occur to me there might be an opportunity here to look at the whole process of applying to UK universities more creatively, though it must be remembered that students going through a high-stakes process need to ensure that they dot those I's and cross those T's to make sure that any place that they're awarded can come through the complications of the system. I think perhaps there's another podcast here, maybe after some detailed offline discussions with my friends in UK admissions. That's it for this podcast. I hope it's been an interesting delve into some of the weeds of UK admissions policy. As ever, please like, subscribe and follow me in the various means and look out for the next podcast. Thanks for listening.